The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. We're not playing around here this morning. Like, this isn't a joke. The kind of power that we're talking about. At the end of the last century, in the 1800s, they, they thought about the power that would bring life where there is only death. They called it galvanizing, like where you could, you could take an electrical current and you could pass it through like the leg of a dead, dead frog and the leg would do one of these. Galvanizing. It's no joke. Mary Shelley, in her classic novel, Frankenstein, you've heard of it, right? She, she imagined what this kind of, of power that would bring life to dead things, what that would require. And, and so she, she imagined Dr. Frankenstein, like, robbing graves. I'm going to regret telling you this story. It's an ugly kind of resurrection. But Dr. Frankenstein would rob graves and he, he put together a body of sorts with dead parts from other people. And then he looked for a power source that would, would galvanize the body. And it's beautiful the way that Mary Shelley wrote it. She, she said, she talked about the moment where, where this, this, this incredible power, the, the, the strongest power that would bring life into death would be found. And she found it in, you know, lightning. She talked about the moment like this. It's beautiful what she wrote. Dr. Frankenstein looked to infuse a spark of being into a lifeless thing. Infused a spark of being into a lifeless thing. And then the lightning cracked and this ugly resurrection happened. I'm telling you, this is the kind of power that we're talking about is is incredible, it's immense, it's no joking thing. Like, like you would tell your kids, don't play near the electric socket. It's powerful, right? Or if you saw a downed power line, you would say, you're going to want to step away from that because that's no joke, we're not playing around. Now, now take that and ascend all the way to heaven in itself and realize that the power that we're talking about today is no joke. To galvanize life where there's death is, is no play thing. And that's my prayer today. That's my prayer. To galvanize life where there's only death. That we would take like a small spark. Like if we could, if we could take the power that rose Jesus from the dead and just blow on it and blow it into your hearts then we'll have a real Easter. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth about verse 3. 
if you would get really quiet, you would be able to hear it humming and pulsating with power. Because 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 is a spiritual transformer. That's what it is. It's a spiritual transformer that will galvanize life where there is only death. That's what Peter says. Blessed be the name of Jesus. And so this is, this is what I want to do with you this morning. This is what I want to do. I want to, I want to look at this verse in, in, in its entirety in three ways. First of all, first of all, I want to give with you, I want to describe with you a name for you that power. I'm going to, we're going to give it a name. Second of all, I want to show you where this power moves us. Because it moves us from one place to another. And then finally, I want to tell you why God did it. That's it. So I want to give it a name. I want to show you where it moves us. And then finally, I want to tell you why. I want to tell you why. And Peter does all of that this morning. Let's start by giving this spark, this infused Easter power, a name. Here's what the NIV calls it. This verse 3, he has given us, you see it? New birth. He has given us new birth. Now, this is a big deal in the Bible. It's a huge deal. Jesus said, this is John chapter 3, you have been, sorry, this is John chapter 3, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Keep reading in in 1 Peter chapter 1 right here. This is into the 20s. And what you'll find out is, is Peter says this, you have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. The Apostle Paul, he talks about rebirth and renewal. And what Peter is saying here is this has been gifted to you. The Greek says this, Anagonesis, new birth. Anagonesis, do you hear it? Anagenesis? Genesis? Anagonesis? Like what, what Peter is actually saying is he's taking us all the way back to creation and he's saying what's going to happen in your hearts because of what Jesus has done is anagonesis. So the same power, let's understand what this power is. The same power that spoke the world into being now lives in your hearts. New birth. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is gifted to you. The same power that Revelation says will one day Renew all things. I always read that and think, me too, God? Think, yes, you too. Renew all things. Now is gifted to you. New birth. That's what we're going to call it. New birth. Now, I, I want to just pause with you and, and think about everything that that means for your life then. This is a huge gift. First of all, like this is a metaphor, right? So we want to we break down the metaphor and, and just... Think about what this means. First of all, it means that, that we could call this, we could call this that there's discontinuity in your life. That's a big word. It means that there's a before and after. 
It means that things are different now. Like It means that there's, there's the old you and then there's the new you. There's the, the pre-Easter you and there's the post-Easter you. There's discontinuity and there's only a little bit of continuity. In other words, you still got your name, but everything that happened before is now forgiven and redeemed and gone. It's gifted to you. If you're looking for a new beginning, this is it. This is it. St. Augustine, he was, if you read some of his writings, he was famous for his womanizing. Absolutely famous. He, he lived a dissolute life. And there was one day where he was walking along and one of the women from his past ran after him and said, Augustine, it is I. And he kept on rocking and she yelled again, Augustine, it is I. And he turned around and said, yes, but it is not I. Everything, and he got it, everything had changed. A new Augustine had been birthed by God's love. Discontinuity. But there's more that's gifted to us. More, not just discontinuity, but also relationship. Relationship with God. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Whether you like it or not, the moment that you were born, the moment that your mother and father brought you into the world, you were brought into a relationship with them. By the birthing process, that's it. And that's everything. You are gifted in that moment a mother and a father. And so, and so when Peter says, God has gifted to you new birth, you've also been put into relationship with the Father. If you're, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't know if God loves me. I, I'm not sure. I, I have so many sins. I want to put that to bed and to rest. You are forgiven and you are birthed into a new relationship with Him. It's gifted to you. And I, and I, I got more to say about that, but we're going to have to leave that behind for just a moment. I got way more to say about it, but I think that's enough for Easter Sunday. You always have to come back next week. It's enough for us to be able to give it a name and begin to plumb the depths of what this Easter power does. It gives us new birth. I want to show you next where it moves us to. And it's so obvious. If you just keep reading the verse, let me read it to you. The movement that this produces in our lives. It says again, verse 3, He has given us new birth into, here's the movement, into living hope. Now hopefully, and I say that, I say that on purpose, <laughs> hopefully you can feel the momentum, Right? And I want to say something obvious. We as human beings, we need to be able to hope. We need to be able to hope. It's absolutely powerful and necessary for our lives. Even secular studies bore this out. They did a study, I read a study earlier this week that said that, that those, they did a study of men who had suffered heart attacks. And I want to just read you what they found. This is what the researchers found. Survivors of a heart attack. 
21 of the 25 most pessimistic, so despairing, hopeless, 21 of the 25 most pessimistic men died within eight years. So they were hopeless. They, they thought it would happen again, and it did. Only six of the most optimistic, this is the power of hope, only six of the most optimistic died in the same period. So this is what they said. Hope was a better predictor of death than such medical risks, factors such as high blood pressure and cholesterol. So somebody joked about this. They said, they said it's better to eat Twinkies and hope than to eat broccoli and despair. That's the power of hope. Now, I might change that, that statement a, a, a little bit best, best to eat broccoli and take care of yourself and hope, right? But we've got to get the right kind of hope, too. So I want to move into that word living with you for a second. We need hope, but we need the right kind of hope. We need living hope. So Peter right there is saying there's different kinds of hopes. There's hopes that perish. There's, there's hopes that do not last. We might actually just call them wishes. And so the question before you this morning is what kind of hopes do you have for your life? Most human beings, you can say that hopes will go into, into two different baskets. Like, this is how I imagine it, at least, that there's, there's materialistic hopes. So like making lots of money, advancement in career, like these kinds of things, like a big house and, and a pool in your backyard, like an insane pool. And then you would have all these materialistic things. And then in, in another basket would be relational hopes, like that people would think that you're beautiful, that you would become famous one day, that maybe you could be a mother, or like you could get married, and like all these different relational hopes. These, these are the big hopes, two different baskets, that the best hopes, the best wishes that the world can offer. But all of these hopes are trees, in this sense. Have you ever heard the parable of the, the, the lumberjack and the bird? I'm going to tell you the, the, the parable of the lumberjack and the bird. So there's this, there's this lumberjack, and he cared about the bird that was living in the tree, but he intended to cut the whole forest down. So the bird was living in the tree, and he took his axe, and he tapped on the tree, tap, 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 and the bird flitted to the next tree. The lumberjack cuts the tree down, and then he goes to the tree where the bird is, and he taps it on the trunk again, tap, 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 and things went like that. It went like that. The bird kept flitting to another tree. And the lumberjack would come and cut it down. <laughs> Until the last tree, lumberjack, tap, tap, tap. The bird flits over to a rock. And there the bird stayed. Because nobody and nothing could, could cut it down. Sometimes I think that, that we become uh, hopeless and despairing because we're hoping in the wrong things. What if our hope was a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? What if it was an imperishable, immortal gift, heaven 
for you, nobody. What if your hope was based on a rock? My brother told me a real story about a guy in the Midwest. You can maybe imagine yourself there for a second. It was a 30-year-old guy, and he was in a nail salon. And all the older ladies were sitting there. This just happened. All the older ladies were sitting there judging him. What is this guy doing here? He said in the middle of their conversation, I'm so blessed. And then he walked out when his nails were done. And then the owner, knowing that all the older ladies there were sort of judging him, said, I just want you guys to know that he has ALS. And he can't do his own nails. And his wife and child left him this morning. And he said, I'm so blessed. It's a real story. Nothing, nothing could take away his hope in the resurrection of the dead. That, that is, that's, that's living hope. And no lumberjack can cut it down. That's the movement of Easter. It, it moves us into a living hope. So we've seen, we've, we've given, we've given this, this Easter power name, this Easter spark a name, its name is new birth. We, we've seen that it, that it moves us, it pushes us into a living hope. And now I want to tell you why God did it. It's also in the verse. I want to tell you why God did it. Look, at, look with me at the verse again. In his great mercy. In his great mercy. That's why God did it. Like, like mercy is not love. It's not the same thing as love. It, it, it's more than love. It, it's a compassion, but it's also a compassion that looks out at the other and says, there's a brokenness there. There's a helplessness there. They cannot save themselves. Like the, Mercy is, is this feeling that you get when you look at the world's ugliest dog. I've already shown you the picture of the world's ugliest dog. There's a new one named every year. But if you look at the, at the ugliest dog, you see this poor thing, right? Scraggly little hair, bloodshot eyes, like eyelids half closed, maybe missing a leg, and he's just limping along. And you look at this dog, and you feel, you feel mercy. You want to help this dog, right? In God's great mercy, he sent Jesus. See, that's the other part. If you look at the end of the verse, it's, it's like it's sandwiched in the why did God do this? In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Here it is. Here's the instrumentality, the means. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's how he does it. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know what gets me every holy week? When I see what Jesus has done for me, it's the tink of the nails. 
Like in, in The Passion. I only saw it once. I can never watch it again. It's too much for me. But you see the hands and the legs, and then you hear the tink. Tink. That gets me. The love of that. That he would suffer what we deserved. And then, and then to see that this Jesus, the one who made the great payment in his great mercy, God walks him right back out of the grave. And when we see that, when we believe that, all of Easter becomes ours. In a sense, this morning, what I'm hoping to do is, is become like antagonistic to Smokey the Bear. I, do you know Smokey the Bear? Is this a Midwestern thing? I grew up in Minnesota. So Smokey the Bear was this guy. He was this guy who, who taught children not to start forest fires. You can stop forest, forest fires. That's what Smokey the Bear would say. And he would always say this. You can prevent forest fires. He would say, one spark can light up the whole world. And in a sense, I, I want to become antagonistic. I, I, I want to take the spark of the gospel, this little ease, infuse it in your heart and blow on it. Because it just takes one spark. One time at seeing Jesus, His love for you, to see Him walking out of the tomb, and you can start a forest fire. Maybe another way of saying it is this. Easter is so much more than a thing to be debated. It, it's so much more than, than a thing to be observed. Easter is something that we're invited to participate in. It's something to be, to be birthed into. And Peter got that. Like, Peter, Peter knew it. He, he knew what name to give it. He, he called it new birth. Like, he understood that, that he was different from before Easter and af, after Easter. He understood that he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, had been birthed anew. He got that. He also understood what it was to have a fake hope, a dying hope, a perishing hope, and what it was to have a living hope hope. And finally, he got to the point where he understood the mercy of God. In fact, I want to end in the same place that he did. He was so joyful, so filled by seeing what Jesus had done. This is what he says. You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. He ran out of words for it. I guess I have two. Amen.